0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Welcome in, Bears fans, to this episode of Bare Bones. This episode is going to be a little different. As you notice, I am by myself today. Danny could not make it. Had to do, you know, the real gig. So unfortunately, it's just, you're, you're stuck with me. It is what it is. Uh, before we get into some of the bear-specific topics from coming up for the Lions and reflecting on that Bills game, there's some news that we want—I want to talk about. So first off, uh, Kevin Warren broke today that Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren is amongst the finalists for the Chicago Bears vacant president and CEO job. It's noted that he was interviewed at least twice at Hall's Hall in this entire process. And he's got a really interesting story, actually. Uh, he was uh, struck by a car and forced into traction and a body cast for oh, many months. Uh, doctors told Warren that it was unlikely that he would ever be able to fulfill his dreams of playing sports, let alone walk again. And a uh, doctor ended up telling Kevin th- about aquatic rehab exercises, uh, maybe his only hope for recovery. Since there was not easily accessible pool in Kevin's neighborhood, Kevin's family used the money they had from the insurance settlement, received following the car accident to build a pool in their backyard. And Warren was able to get back to playing and play college basketball, which I think is pretty darn cool. Uh, he became the commissioner of the big 10 in 2020 after 20 years of working with the NFL Rams, Lions, Vikings, and had to deal with COVID, bunch of other stuff, but was able to do some pretty cool things while he was there, like help create a seven year, $8 billion media rights deal. Uh, that incorporates Fox, NBC, and CBS. And uh, he actually, like I said before, was involved with the Vikings. When he arrived there, he was the Vikings were 31st in revenue. And when he left, they were 7th, which is a pretty big jump. Uh, he was pretty integral also in building that new stadium, which, as Bear fans know, looks like the, hopefully the Bears are actually going to Arlington Heights. And as of right now, I mean, I know I've been concerned about that build, what that would look like, and ultimately how that would go. But considering how U.S. Bank Stadium is considered to be one of the best stadiums currently in the nfl and soldier field is one of the worst it'll, it'll be nice to have someone who built a was a big part of building a stadium successfully um and also another thing i personally like is that he's an outside guy there's no big family or franchise ties before that's something that the bears have always been kind of stuck with uh, just a bringing people in that share a similar last name that are part of the family or, you know, did something with the organization before. So it'll be nice to have an outside perspective. Like there's nothing set in stone. You know, it, it's just announced that he is interviewed and is one of the candidates. The Bears released a statement saying, we have not set a timeline for announcing Ted Phillips successor. Our search team has cast a wide net, spoke to many outstanding candidates and looks forward to introducing our next president and CEO at the process's conclusion. So, yep, nothing's set in stone quite yet. But if currently in terms of some of the other people you're hearing about uh, Cliff Steins, another name that's floating out there uh, i I would be big on Warren some people that I really trust uh, who who know more about this than I do uh, are a big Warren supporters so that that's absolutely something I'd be looking forward to. Uh, and yes let, let's let's be real. what is the CEO gonna do? what's the president gonna do? They're not changing the X's and Os they're not drafting people. But it'll be nice to have someone at the top above, you know, Eberfus, above polls, helping with the non-football decisions, who does have a little bit of at least some sports background. Another bit of news that is going to impact the Bears. Derek Carr won't be starting for the Raiders over the last two weeks. As the Raiders want to take a, as they say, look at their young players, a.k.a. Juret Stidham. They just don't want to deal with Carr anymore. They don't want Carr getting hurt. Uh, They're going to look to trade him. They're going to release him. If he gets hurt, they owe him a lot of money. If he gets hurt, he's going to be hard, if not possible, to trade. As far as my understanding, some of the higher ups in in Raiders land just are just over the car experience, um, and it makes sense. I mean, he's drafted, and I think, in 2014. Uh, that's eight years of not a lot of, of being able to produce. I'm sure you know, just a change of scenery would be good for him. It'll be good for the Raiders, but what does that mean for the Raiders? Uh, is it a Tom Brady destination? Is it a draft destination? If, it, if if it's draft in order to get your next quarterback, now all of a sudden are they a team that could trade up with the Bears, right? You know, at number nine, that's not a super big trade back. Um, it's definitely one that you want a decent amount back for, though, if you are trading back from number two or even possibly number one back to number nine. And then, of course, you start to think about Devontae Adams, right? Devontae got there. He went there to the Raiders specifically because of Derek Carr, and also to be closer to family. Um, obviously, he's he was able to do that, be closer to family. But uh, Derek Carr, his buddy, his college teammate, is going to be gone. So is that something that maybe the Bears can get involved with? Now, keep in mind, you know, he's on the older side in his 30s. He's got a big contract. The contract's not a, as big of a deal considering how much cap space the Bears have. I think it's going to be tough for the Bears to spend. as how much they need to spend anyway. But um, is that something you look in? So, for example, do you trade the number two pick? move back to number nine for Devontae, and what else do you get? Because, I mean, personally for me, um, I'm not trading just for Devontae. I'm not trading just for a future fifth or a, a fifth this year. The value of the second pick compared to the ninth pick has the same value as roughly the 12th pick. So you have to ask yourself if you would trade the 12th pick just straight up for Devontae Adams, because that's essentially the equivalent of what that trade-out is. Um, but then when you do factor in the age and you factor in the contracts, Bears should be able to get more. But that's all I got on, on some of those topics. So let's take a quick peek at the Bills game. So we're going to hit some of those same topics that we do normally. So knee-jerk reaction. Uh, my knee-jerk reaction to that game is, I'm not sure how I feel about Luke Getze right now. Uh, Bears continue to follow the run-run-pass archetype, which can be very frustrating. Uh, Bears rank fourth in lowest early down, first and second down pass rate. So basically they're almost never throwing the ball on first and second down. You can see that on the field. You don't need stats to prove that, but it's pretty obvious. Uh, and it's hurting the bears, right? Because when you run the ball and you have an unsuccessful run on first down, you run it and maybe get low to moderate success on second down. Now all of a sudden you're looking at third and eighths, third and sixes, and that's much harder to convert. And that's if you're lucky. That's if you didn't have a penalty. That's if you you know, were able to gain yards on those first and second down runs. And that's tough long-term. Uh, another stat I want to highlight is this one here. Uh, Grab this from Arjun Menon. Hopefully I didn't butcher his name. At Arjun Menon 100. You can see where the Bears are way to the right of that graph. And if you're not uh, watching this uh, live, make sure you tune in live every Thursday 5 p.m. If you're listening on the podcast, though, uh, the Bears have the tallest bar on this chart all the way to the right. And what this chart is looking at is the likelihood to run on second and 10 after a complete pass. Long story short, they are the most likely team, over 50%, to run on 2nd and 10 after they have an incomplete pass, if they happen to pass. Uh, Another thing, too, if you're watching this, the darkness of the bar is the success rate of that run. It's a pretty pale bar. Uh, So they're not, A, they're not, clearly, they're not completing, you know, that pass on 1st down. And then when they run on 2nd down, it's not deemed that successful. That is a huge issue for the development of justin fields and this offense now why is that happening is it a luke getzi thing specifically right we know that they're coming off of that shanahan tree Uh, we're looking at it right now with the 49ers we're seeing that brock they're successful though with brock purdy and pretty much any quarterback that they slide in there um that but and they're very run heavy but they have the horses they have the offensive line to be able to do that and even but when brock purdy does pass they are trusting brock purdy to pass So you have there's a lot of things that have to go right in order for you to be a team like that. Um, Obviously, the Packers, where Luke Etsy came from. Also, that Shanahan tree helps when you have one of the best, if not the best quarterback that's played the game. Uh, We've seen what happens when the quarterback falls off. The Packers have not been super successful this year. They've been better over the last couple of weeks. But again, not super successful. So this will also connect a little bit what I'm looking ahead with in this Lions game. But can we open it up a little bit? Now, if you want to play devil's advocate, you can talk about how the offensive line is scary in terms of letting Justin sit back there and throw. He, he's going to get hit. Um, we've seen that. We've seen that the wide receivers are not good. They do not get open, uh, especially when you've lost your top ones. We lose Darnell Mooney. When, uh, Chase Claypool has been out, and even when he has been in there, it has, hasn't been great. Uh, Dante Pettis now on injury report with an ankle issue, I believe it is. Uh, it's, it's tough to be able to trust the throw when your offensive line receivers aren't great and Justin's still coming in his own as a passer. He's been a lot better and he needs to get a lot more credit than the national media is giving him, but that can definitely be tough. So to be perfectly honest, something really honest, uh, I took from that game. I don't know what we're doing. I don't um, on offense. I mean, if we're not going to let Justin throw, how important are these reps? Uh, if you look, Justin had 23 pass attempts in that game. This was more than only Tyler Huntley, Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke, Brock Purdy, and Sam Darnold. Now, Sam Darnold, not exactly you know who you're going to hold up there on the pedestal of quarterbacks you want to have have throw less you know have as your quarterback. Uh, Tyler Huntley is just doing the best he can right now, subbing in for Lamar. And if you notice, I I listed Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke. They're on the same team. Carson Wentz had 16 passes. Taylor Heineke had 18. They split reps, and they still barely, you know, Justin barely outpaced them. Now, you could say weather is a factor. Josh Allen only threw 26 times in that game, so only three more passes than Justin. But keep in mind, the Bulls were leading at the end of that game. They didn't have to throw. Also, they were running all over the Bears. Like, literally, there was that one run play where I think it was, might have been Cook. I I don't even remember. He was basically untouched. He, He could have walked into the end zone from 30 yards out. It was absolutely insane. So, I, I, yes, you can use weather as a factor, as a part of that, but I, I can't, it's not the whole story. So, for me, I do not understand what we're necessarily doing. So, we, and we saw, right, you know, and we'll look at this when we talk about the injury report, but Justin came up a little lame after that one uh, hit to the shoulder he had, I believe, in the second quarter. Uh, he got stepped on and got took some brutal hits near the end of that game when they finally decided, hey, we're down, you know, game's so almost over, we need to start throwing it. That's, that's a scary thing. And so if you're not going to let him throw throughout the game and you're going to keep having him take these brutal hits and you're going to have him keep putting it, be in these situations that are in a season that doesn't matter when honestly most Bears fans want you to lose anyway, I do not get what we're doing. I'd rather go out swinging and have have a three and out because we threw three times than run, run, pass, run, run, pass and lead to a three down anyway. (laughs) So let's just try it. Let's try some different things. Um, Something I found humorous bringing back Khalil Herbert uh, after his injury and only having him rush six times for seven yards, two receptions and negative four yards. Uh, I was a pretty big proponent. I didn't understand the need for him to come back period. I thought Darrington Evans was doing fine. If you look at the numbers, they're the same. Honestly, maybe if they weren't better with Darrington Evans uh, leading the way as the seconds back, just let Herbert rehab fully. Let him come back 100% healthy next year. We don't know what's happening with Dave Montgomery. Could he be back? Absolutely. But, you know, there's also a pretty long list of viable running backs that are hitting free agency this year. He may not be back. Maybe the Bears strike out and they don't get a running back at all. I just don't understand the need to rush Herbert back at all, especially when you're going to get that production. So clearly he was not fully ready. Again, six rushes for seven yards. That's trash. I I just find it funny. It makes no sense to me, especially with a regime that as a whole has been a little more, I think, conservative when it comes to injuries. You know, um, you heard Tevin Jenkins even say that, he thought about set playing this week, so clearly, I mean, it's up to some of the players, but it's it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, and something else that doesn't make sense to me: are a concussed corner. <clears throat> so this is something from the last game that just a decision so odd that the decision decision maker must be concussed. Justin Fields uncorks a beautiful deep ball to Valus Jones, forty four yards, quarter ends, huge play. Justin can throw. Velas is alive. He's on this roster. And then what do the Bears do? Three rushes in a row for three, five, and negative one yards. And then finally, they threw it on fourth down to Ryan Griffin, who initially got a first, but it was challenged. And then the Bears turned the ball over on downs. It just destroys all momentum. It doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I'm not saying you have to throw it every single time, because obviously that's what this, this whole section, these last couple pieces have been about. have been about throwing the ball more. No, you still have to run the ball, and especially with Justin. You know, he he is a weapon with his legs, so you, you need to use him that way. But when you let Montgomery go for three, I think it was Herbert for five, and then Montgomery for a minus one, you're losing all momentum you possibly had in that scenario. So even if you run on the first play, that's fine. Throw it on, what is that, second and seven. Throw a dang slant. I don't know the last time I saw Justin throw a slant. I, I don't know – if that's a Getzy thing, if that speaks to Justin's current comfort level, if it speaks to the receivers, whatever the case may be, that part is frustrating to me. So it makes no sense to have a play that big and then just straight up lose all momentum. And then on top of it, once you run it three times and it's finally fourth, fourth down, you finally throw it, you have a route that doesn't even will go past the sticks. Set make the and that could be a Ryan Griffin issue. I'm not in the meeting room. I I do not know if that was drawn up to to run that way. I don't know if Ryan Griffin ran it too short. But then to ha- but to have that route, whatever the reason behind it, not be past the first down marker is is insane to me. It makes absolutely no sense, and it, it was a big play in that game. Not necessarily like it's a huge deal if the Bears are winning or losing this game, but it's about the context of it. So when this matters next year, and you're trying to win some games, when it matters the year after that, and hopefully you're pushing to be a you know become a contender, those are the decisions that don't make sense to me. And I would like to see more growth because we've seen it from Justin. as definitely as a runner. We're seeing it in smaller doses from Justin as a passer. We're seeing it from Cole Komet on and off. Komet's fallen off, of course, a little bit too these last couple weeks. But we've seen it from Komet. We've seen it from Jalen Johnson. We've seen it from Kyler Gordon. I don't know that I've seen Luke Getzi grow enough, and that bothers me. So right now at this point, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to look at what's going on in the training room. All right, we have our training room roundup. Uh, This is where we're going to just chat a little bit about what's going on in the Bears training room. So one of the things first, though, I want to do is we're going to talk actually a bit about the Justin Fields play, where he came up a little lame. Now, keep in mind on this play, this didn't necessarily change a ton in the game, um, but we definitely saw Justin be a little more tentative to pull the ball, and it seemed like there were less quarterback runs afterwards. So with this play. We can see Justin running to the right here at the bottom of the screen and actually a pretty good block from Schofield uh, ends up blocking his guy into Justin and Justin simply is there just trying to protect himself. lowers the shoulder a little bit. <clears throat> you can see kind of the wiggle there in the head. You can see it a little better from this view actually. So again, just takes a step, designed run, decent block and Right here, he reaches for that left shoulder, you know, a little bit of that injured <laughs> injured walk that we've all done at some point. And that, that that's one of my things that connects to earlier. If we are going to have Justin play, and I want to see Justin play, I want him to get reps, I want him to get better. We A, we have to protect him, and B, we have to get more out of it. This also goes back to where's that where's the health of that shoulder? Now, nobody's 100 percent healthy in the NFL. No one ever is, especially at this point in time of the year. Is the juice worth the squeeze, though? So clearly that shoulder, not 100%, and definitely took a dive after that. You throw in the play near the end of the game where he gets stepped on, on his foot. Um, there's just a lot of miles being added to him, whether it's on his legs with the runs, whether it's the hits that are happening. Just, I just implore Bears training staff, the coaches, GM, etc. let's make sure we're getting Justin out of the season as healthy as possible. And sometimes you have to protect the player from themselves. So, because Justin's going to want to play, you saw it at Ohio State; he got it through injuries. You're seeing it in the NFL; he's doing everything he can to play. Let's make sure that we're not just we're making decisions for the wrong reasons. That's all I'm going to say. So, in terms of the injury report, Andrew Brown, defensive tackle, full participant. Who cares? <laughs> so, uh, let's just talk about the ones that really, really matter here. Um, some that do not, the ones who aren't participating. Uh, interesting that Jatir Carter uh, didn't participate today. Uh, back this, he just popped up when you have a DMP this late uh, on a Thursday, it doesn't look great. So that's going to hurt the bears offensive line depth. Uh, Cody Whitehair is was a full participant. That's pretty big. Um, I really thought that he was going to be someone they might be ramping down for the year, uh, whether it was to move on from him or just try to protect him for next year. But he looked slow in that game, even before he got hurt. Uh, he clearly, has not fully recovered from that injury a couple, you know, before that gave him that that one injury uh, IR stint, and he needs more time. Um, so I really am surprised that he was a full participant today. But unless something crazy happens between now and Friday, he should be good to go on for that offensive line. Speaking of offensive line, Tevin Jenkins also a full participant, and he has been the last two days. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, he actually considered playing last week; didn't happen. He should be good to go for this game as well. Dante Pettis, again, as I mentioned earlier, ankle issue uh, that on Wednesday where he got hurt. Uh, DMP on a Thursday after that, not a good sign, especially for a receiver like him. Uh, a little bit of a quicker guy needs to make those cuts. Uh, that is something that he's going to be out. I would be very surprised if he played. Equinemius St. Brown, concussion, limited participant. That's a great sign. Uh, we've seen a couple of times, whether it's with Bears or some of their opponents, where... Guys have had uh, limited participation on a f- Friday after they had a DMP on a Thursday, or even sometimes in a rare occasion, I a- did not participate on a Friday, and they're playing it uh, on that Sunday. So w- that limited participation with a concussion, to me, uh, unless there's some dramatic change uh, in symptoms between now to Friday and then Friday to Sunday, I couldn't name a St. Brown's playing. So what does that mean uh, in terms of change of symptoms? So it's what you would think, you know, headaches, light sensitivity, sound sensitivity, uh, nausea. If any of that stuff were to pop up and increase or change with activity. So, you know, he's in a drill and all of a sudden he's saying, yeah, I'm a lo- I got my headaches back. Yeah, that's when you get shut back down again. But if those things do not happen, you should be good to go. The, one of the people that has a lot of questions on Chase Claypool. Um I'm going to say right now, I, I thought Chase was going to play this week, and I still do. Um, the limited participation helps. Uh, the DMP was a little scary on that Wednesday, but being able to come back uh, today and, and practice was big. From what it sounded like, he talked about, um, you heard, I think it was with Mark Brody. He had did a little bit of an interview, and um, he even talked about how the rehab was going well. He thought he might be able to play in that Bills game, but didn't end up happening. Uh, Friday will be big. If he is a full, obviously at that rate he'll he'll be playing if he's limited i'll give him like a 75 percent chance of playing if he can play that's huge for justin because at this point in a dome on turf justin should be able to tear it up chase should be able to tear it up uh and this that's a game where maybe they can get on the same page and really use that as as a springboard into the final week and then ultimately next year some of these other guys uh, the other sterling weatherford didn't participate special teamer um, it hurts their linebacker depth. I mean, they're already a little thin at linebacker. Uh, so that's not fantastic, but not the biggest thing in the world. So if you look at the Lions real quick here, uh, the ones that really matter, I think it's going to be Frank Ragnow, right? Their starting center. Uh, that foot's been something he's been dealing with on and off all year. And him not participating twice in a row is not a good sign there. Deshaun Elliott, safety, same thing. Not a great sign there, especially shoulder for a safety. That, that's that's tough to to deal with. Uh Kirby Joseph is is their rookie, free safety, limited participant with the back. Friday will be big. Back's one of those we saw it with Tevin Jenkins. Back's one of those tricky things where you could feel great one day or feel like you're doing good. And then all of a sudden one play happens and you get a flare up and you're like, nah, I'm done. So that's going to be one to keep an eye on there as well. Um and then Josh Reynolds. Uh he was a full participant after an illness, Jason Cabina, full participant after an illness, keep an eye on those only because what it means for the rest of the team. If they had this illness earlier in the week, is there a chance there's a bug going around the locker room? Do we all of a sudden hear two or three guys are out because of this illness? Only reason I bring that up. But for the most part, that shows that the Lions are going to be pretty healthy, full force. Um, yeah, another guy that did end up on there, Jamal Williams, he he had an ankle issue. He's not on here at all. So that uh, Lions run game should be exactly where, uh, what it's been all year, which has been pretty solid. And now moving on to our preview of this Lions game specifically, what you need to know. So if we take a look back at the last time these teams met, the Bears had 408 total yards compared to 323 from the Lions. If if I told you that, you'd probably say that the Bears won that game. But as we know, Justin had a pretty crushing pick six to his former teammate, Jeff Akuda. Uh, but a few pay- plays later, he had a, that long rushing touchdown, which to try to neg- negate that mistake. Ultimately, the Lions scored 21 points in the fourth quarter, uh, and ultimately the Lions won that game. Now, talk about moral victories and things like that. It, it's always tough. I'm not a big moral victories guy in sports. More often than not, uh, a game like that when you're when you're winning against a Lions team that was clearly an issue at that point actually it was kind of weird after that game the Lions took back off again it was kind of kind of like the Bears set them right a little bit but when you have a a situation like that that game left kind of a a bad taste in your mouth now I mean looking where we're at Bears having a chance to get the number two pick if not the number one pick you're not going to cry over you know losses like that if you're going to look at it and be like great that got us the number you know the pick we wanted but it's also about how you lost and that was a bad loss Now, talking about bad losses, the Lions lost to the Panthers last week, 23-37. And the reason I bring that up is because there's a couple of things that really stood out that I think we need to look at in terms of how this game is going to look. So the Lions allowed 320 yards on the ground. Deontay Foreman and Chubba Hubbard just really couldn't be stopped. Foreman had 21 carries for 165 yards, and Hubbard had 126 yards on only 12 carries. The Carolina Runners averaged 4.21 4.21 yards after contact on their 43 rushing attempts. I say all that because with being indoors, with that turf field, the fast turf, one could say, I think we can really see Justin have another game. Uh that, that it's a game that can really help push him closer to to breaking that record, that the record that he's I know that he's eyeing at a little bit. Uh and and that also, Dave Montgomery, Cole Herbert, another week under his legs. Hopefully, he's feeling a little healthier. They can really have a game now. You know, can you can you win with a pure rushing attack? I mean, we saw that with the Panthers. They obviously did it. The Panthers are also they don't care kind of what they're doing right now, win or lose. They're they're just going ham. Uh, I'm not saying that they're gonna the Bears are gonna win this week with that, but you should be able to see a better Justin game than we saw last week, and even a little bit from compared to the Eagles game too. Another aspect thing to bring up Panthers scored on seven of their 10 possessions. That's that's pretty solid by the Panthers, pretty bad by the lines. Uh, and even with that golf didn't really have an efficient day. I mean, he threw three touchdowns for 355 yards, but it took 42 attempts to do so. And it was on 25 completions. So, you know, that, that passing attack was a little tempered um, as a unit. Detroit's offensive line had one of its worst outings of the season. They gave up 13 total quarterback pressures. Most was Evan Brown with five, Pena Sewell even had to, you know, he's, and he's been a stalwart there. So, uh, and Carolina's pass rushes is, is, is just nice. You know, Brian Burns, everything like that. So don't take that as me saying the bears are going to be able to, to do anything like that. The bears basically don't have a pass rush. I mean, it would, might as well just not even have players on the field with how bad they've been this year at getting to the quarterback. Um, it's been really, really bad. Uh, to, to put that into context, uh, the bears currently have 18 sacks. That's tied for the franchise lowest back in 2003. That's real. That's really rough, but I mean, if there's any time that we might be able to get a couple a sack here or there, maybe a couple pressures. It seems like this might might be the game, especially coming off of what the Lions just put out there. Uh, flipping to the other side of the ball, Lions rookie defenders really struggled in their game. Uh, Kirby Joseph missed three tackles, and Aiden Hutchinson was pretty much a non-factor against the run uh, against the Panthers. Lions defenders record just five total quarterback pressures, tied for third fewest pressures amongst defenders in Week 16. Aiden Hutchinson had two. Uh, if Yatou had two and James Houston had one, they're the only defenders who register pressures. So if that continues, that that just adds to the, okay, maybe this is another big game for Justin where he can put up some numbers, he can look real good, and he can take a step. At least that's my hope. All that being said, the Bears are lacking teeth on this defense and have little to no offensive firepower if Justin basically doesn't do it all. Uh, The Lions are the more explosive offense right now. Detroit ranks 6th in offensive DVOA, while Chicago defense ranks 32nd, literally last, in defensive DVOA. Uh, we've seen some cool things out of Kyler Gordon recently, Jalen Jones, Jaquan Brisker, but there's, there just isn't enough there. Um, as previously mentioned, Detroit's rushing defense is not good. Uh, they currently rank 26th defensive rush DVOA, and somehow their pass defense is worse at 28th defensive DVOA. Now, it doesn't help that the Bears rank 26th in EPA per play, 26th in success rate, and 30th in dropback EPA in the second half of games. If you want a silver lining, uh, they rank 10th in rushing EPA in the second half. So there's that. In the first half of games, it's a little better. Uh, The Bears rank 14th in EPA per play, 24th in success rate, still not good, and 13th in dropback EPA. So they're coming out solid. Then teams adjust. And I, I've seen this floating around the Twitterverse and other things where it's like, oh, you know, it's it's Iberflus and Getsy getting on the tank bus. They're realize they're realizing, oh, you know, we're we're too close in these games. Let's change our play calling. That's not it. Coaches are trying to win games. Players are trying to win games. It's just that defenses are going into the half and they're saying, hey, here are the things that that are happening with that the Bears are doing, and they're adjusting it. You know, this is the second time the Lions are going to see Justin. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the first half even, there, there was a, a little less success right away than they have been. Because when you're a team like the Eagles, when you're a team like the Bills, the team that sees the Bears, you know, this is the first time seeing them. There is that adjustment period. It's hard to practice for a guy like Justin Fields. Uh, we saw that, I think it was the Eagles game, where they said Gardner Minshew was, was scout team quarterback trying to be Justin and you know, I, I obviously most people got a laugh out of that because it's like, okay, that's that's not even close. And then you see that speed on the field, and you hear that all the time, every single week. You are hearing opponent, uh, at least one defender from the opponent saying, "Justin is is real. That speed is real. His elusiveness is real." You know, and even some of them talking about his passing, how his path, the, the army that he has. So a lot of these defenses don't understand who and what Justin is until they see it in person. But you see it in person in the first half. You have a lot of smart brains in you know, the box, in the locker rooms. They're going to change. So really what I want to see out of these next games, and you could guess this based on what I started the show with, I want to see Justin throw more. It's as simple as that. I want to first, hey, maybe you get a deep pass. You hit, you hit commit up the seam for, for 32 yards. Throw it again right away, right? Like do Like immediately. Then you can run it on second down if it's an incomplete pass. That's fine. Teams have that all the time. There are other teams, and yes, offensive lines and other teams are better. Wide receivers and other teams are better. I get it. But there are other teams who they get a penalty and it's on first down, it's first and 15. They throw the ball and it's incomplete. And now it's second and 10. And it's not a death sentence. It should be getting closer to the point where if something, you can take a shot like that and it not be the end of the world. That you don't need to run it on first and second down in order to try to set up a third and two. You know, try to get a chunk. And then another chunk. And I want more passes on first and second down. Uh, I don't know that it'll happen, but that's, that's what I would like to happen. All right, one more quick break here, and then we'll end up wrapping the show up. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th We with our over unders so i just grabbed a couple um that i thought are interesting um amon ross st brown receiving yards currently you can get that for 79 and a half i'm gonna take the over um if you remember that last lions game the entire first half the bears basically just didn't know that amon Ra was on the team and left him open constantly it made no sense uh now that, that might be different. Now all of a sudden, maybe they read the scouting report. Al Williams is like, oh, that guy's the dude we need to guard. But with the, how the defense currently is, you know, now you're, you're losing Eddie Jackson. You don't have Jalen Johnson uh, as you don't have a Roquan Smith. You don't have a Jack Sanborn. You know, th- this defense is not what it was. It's been better. You know, we've seen some highlights and I said that earlier. Uh, we've seen them do some pretty impressive stuff. You know, AJ Brown was held relatively in check. Uh, when they played the Eagles. Stephon Diggs, and some of this might be weather, but Stefan Diggs was a non-factor in that Bills game and, until a couple throws later. But um, I would take the over on that 79.5 still because this defense, as I said earlier, just lacks teeth. Uh, Justin Fields rushing here, 70.5. I'm going to take the over. Um, again, indoors, fast turf. He actually, he's hit the over every week in rushing since week three and until that Bills game. So if you're going to... Try to throw a parlay together. You're gonna to try and make some easy money. I think the over for Justin on 70.5. Even though that number keeps creeping up, he keeps hitting it. Um, Jameson Williams touchdowns, point five. I'm begrudgingly taking the over. This just to me is a is a game that screams disappointing touchdown as a as a Bears fan. Uh, and if you were gonna give a disappointing touchdown up to someone, the Jameson Williams who might be terrorizing you for the next next decade as i, I think J- james williams is gonna be a fantastic player i have him on a couple fantasy teams that i've sta- uh dynasty ones that i stashed him with the hopes that he is gonna end up being a dude uh, he fell for further than he should because of that acl tear and you know with another it just fits that he'd be he'd be a one someone who would score on the bears dave montgomery rushing yard 65 uh, I can see why you wouldn't do this, but I'm going to take the under on this. In his last three games, he's hit 62, 53, and 61 yards. And Herbert, again, should be a step quicker, should be a little easier uh, taking some of those yards away from Monty. I know I gave you all those stats about how trash the Lions are in terms of their rushing defense. So, again, I would understand if you want to go the other way and bet on that. And it would make total sense. It's probably the smart decision. But in terms of the Monty trend right now, it's hard for him to to break that 65 right now but again it would make total sense jeff okuda interceptions .5 uh, i'm going to take the under i don't think ju- i think justin's going to challenge him justin's not going he's not the kind of guy where he's going to do it just for the sake of doing it but he's also not the guy who's going to shy away so okuda picked him off last time and i think justin's going to want to to ball out on his his little bro you can say and so he's still going to throw at him and I think he's going. Justin's going to operate in a way, though, still to protect the ball. And overall, Justin's been pretty good uh, at protecting the ball. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of terrible interceptions, a lot of fumbles that we saw early in the year and definitely until last year. So it's it's a little harder to to expect him to turn the ball over with how he's been playing. Game predictions. So the Lions are a six point favorite against the Bears. I'm going to take the Bears. Uh, they're consistently a team that that. Backdoor covers. They're consistently a team that keeps things close. They play really hard. This defense does sneak up on you. And this offense can generate explosive plays mainly through the run. Um, but they'll, they'll keep it close. Uh, but I wouldn't pick them to just pick win straight up. I think right now, as we talked about, the Lions team is more explosive. Um, the Lions defense is bleh, but so is the Bears. So it's like you could almost wash those two matchups. So then it just becomes... It becomes about the quarterback. And while the Bears have the better quarterback, the Lions have the better support for their quarterback. Just with the, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameson Williams, Jamal, uh, Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift. Uh, the, the offensive lines for the Lions struggled last week, but definitely more consistent across the board than the Bears is right now. You know, when you have a hope, maybe Frank Ragnall will be back. I'm not sure on that. Um, I, I wouldn't expect him to be, but maybe. Panay Sewell, I mean, you just have better bodies on that line. Um, the Bears are, line's not good. You have some hope. You still have, Tevin Jenkins has been great, but this will be his first game back as there's some rust. Uh, you have Braxton Jones is better than anyone would think for a draft pick of, of, his, of his status. But again, just, it's, it's just, you have more proven players on that line's offensive line. And so therefore the support for your quarterback is ultimately better for the Lions. That's the thing too, actually. And Jared Goff, I mean, even though he had a, a rough week last week, and I, I know Danny and I talked about this uh, on the last podcast, but I would have put Goff in for the Pro Bowl over Kirk Cousins. It, I think Goff's been playing better, and Kirk Cousins has all of the help in the world from his offensive line, and he you've got Justin Jefferson. He's arguably the best receiver in the league right now. You know, at a minimum, he's a top three, depending on what your cup of tea is. So, with all that being said, like like no, anyway, Jared Goff has been doing significantly better than people give him credit for. Um, obviously I you know the lines are a favorite. I like to do it too. <laughs> when you're doing your mock drafts and trying to snag their, their first two, uh, first round picks, uh, if they were to trade up to trade up with, I'm not hundred percent sure. That's the case. Uh, I think they do like Jared Goff more than people think they do. Uh, if I were a GM and I'm not, you know, no one's asking me to be GM of any team anytime soon. Uh, I'd be getting my quarterback. I think though, at some point, you reach your Jared Goff ceiling. the The wheels fall off, and you realize, yeah, this we can't win with this. Some of the other games that are interesting, at least for me, Cardinals at Falcons. Uh, reason being, for Cardinals, I want them to win. Uh, I want them to creep away a little bit from from potentially uh, sneaking up on the Bears too much and getting a, that draft pick. And also maybe fall down a couple pegs as, as someone you could trade with. Uh, right now, I believe they're fourth if you look at Tinkathon in terms of where they'd be picking. So if the Cardinals could win this game, that would be fantastic. Uh, the Falcons are favored by three and a half points. Oh, man. The Falcons' arsenal aren't good. Um, Colt McCoy should be back for the Cardinals. You still have DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I th- you have a, a J.J. Watt that's going to retire. Maybe he comes out motivated and can get a couple big plays here to, to finish out these last couple weeks. I just, I'll take the Cardinals over the Falcons right now. Uh, Falcons are, are a bit of a mess, especially after they've transitioned away from Marcus Mariota. Um, Jaguars at Texans. Jaguars favored by four and a half points. This game's important for obvious reasons. If the Texans can win this game and the Bears can lose out, the Bears are have the first overall pick, which would be nuts. But um, Trevor Lawrence has been balling in the second half of the season. Uh, they did kind of the opposite of what the Bears did this offseason. Bears did a lot of selling of pieces. The, the Jaguars did a lot of expensive deals to try to surround Trevor Lawrence with some tools. And they, there's some decent ones there. I mean, they're overpaid, but they're decent. You know, you have your Zay Jones of the world and, you know, Christian Kirk's of the world. So uh, four and a half points is a decent amount of points, but I I would still take the, that over the Texans currently. Uh, the one I have my eye on for the Texans is the Colts game in that final game of the season. Because uh, there's actually a weird conspiracy that, that could go on there where – in theory now and follow me with this if the texans sorry if the colts lost to the texans right texans fall out of the first and texans are a team that could take a quarterback now the colts you know they get a win whatever they move now they have an opportunity to trade with a team like the bears to get the quarterback they want because if the Colts let's say ballard and who knows who's actually making the decisions there it seems like uh ursa is kind of taking ballard's decision making away a little bit but it'll, it'll be interesting to see Now the Bears will be happy to trade that first round pick and the Colts get the player that they want. Number one, they get the quarterback that they want versus right now, if the Texans were to lose, keep the first round pick, the Texans take the quarterback they want. And now yes, maybe the Colts look out and they could still trade up with the Bears at number two and get, you know, the quarterback they wanted because maybe they wanted young, but the Texans took Stroud for the sake of argument. But if not, maybe they, they wanted the other so it's it's just it's interesting the colts could if they were very confident that they could give the bears a trade package they'd want they they, they could really help control that a little bit but again as i said earlier the players don't want to lose coaches don't want to lose so it'd be a little tough to you to puppeteer that from that thought process just yeah just a fun conspiracy theory vikings at packers packers favored by three and a half this one's big Just because depending on what happens with a couple of these games over, not just this game, but across the league, uh, changes what the Vikings are playing for or not playing for. Uh, I want the Vikings to have all of their starters and play full out in that final week. Uh, Give the Bears, you know, everything they can. Uh, I'll take the Vikings in this. Uh, Three and a half is not a lot of points, and I just don't trust the Packers. Uh, I can't say I don't really trust Kirk Cousins, but I trust the weapons around Kirk more than I currently trust what Aaron Rodgers can do and what that defense can do. That Packers defense has been suspect. It just still isn't good. Um 49ers at Raiders. 49ers are favored by are by 10 points. A lot of points there. Raiders, obviously, as we talked about earlier, they are going to be sitting Derek Carr. They're playing jared Stidham. Uh, another team that could now be the quarterback market. So you know if the Raiders were to lose a couple games, more games maybe they can slowly eke up so now that ninth pick maybe becomes a little bit more digestible of a trade back option so that's why i'm interested in how this game turns out uh 10 points is a lot but the 49ers can surprisingly score in bunches uh they they can control games even and it doesn't matter what quarterback is back there they they just score so i am hesitantly i mean i wouldn't actually bet on this one uh, just cuz that's that's a lot but like if someone put a you know gun to my head what am i what am i taking uh i'll take 49ers which again not confident in that and we'll wrap it up here a coccyx and bull story bold prediction section i think Chase Claypool plays which is bold in and of itself but i'll take it a step further and say that he gets his first touchdown with the bears on a 30 plus yard reception a nice bomb maybe a little little fly route but post corner uh and catches it right in the corner of the end zone. On defense, the Bears continue their solid play. Gordon doesn't get another interception this week, but he does have one near interception and a fumble recovery. He's really coming to his own. It's been really exciting to see. Uh, he's got a lot of flack the first half of the season, if not three-fourths of the season. And yes, there were some times where it didn't look fantastic, but uh, he's, he's a rookie learning two positions, and it's, it's really nice to see him play. Doing what he's doing, and have some of the uh, haters you can say um, kind of shut up a little bit. You know, maybe let let these guys grow instead of instead of just expecting them to come in and and be amazing immediately. So you know, patience is a virtue. Um, it's been a, a tough season to be patient, uh, and I kind of just want to fast forward to the end of the season. But we we got two games left, so let's just hope that we see some steps from Justin. We see some steps from this offense to actually allow Justin to continue to grow and not just, you know, get decked constantly at the end of games because he has to just sit in the back of the pocket and chuck deep passes. Cause you're down by eight plus points. And uh, let's, let's hope that a couple of these players, maybe some, some chemistry can develop with Chase Claypool. We can see come come back a little bit. He's fallen off just a touch and that we can continue to see some good games from, uh, some of these offensive line pieces that should be here next year, Tevin Jenkins, Rex and Jones individuals like that. But that's all we got for this episode of bare bones. Bit of a different one. Uh, sorry that you had to listen to, to my voice this entire time. Hopefully, you know, next time Danny should be back and we'll give you the final a preview for the final game of the season at that point. But uh, bear down Chicago.